0: Hello, OpStars. I'm Ashley, producer at the OpStars podcast. We hope you'll join us and the rest of the community at the seventh annual OpStars conference on September 21st and 22nd in San Francisco during Dreamforce. We've been virtual the last two years, but we are so excited to be back in person at the San Francisco Mint this year. Go to ops-stars.com to find out more about the speakers, sessions, and click on register now to join us. And by the way, it's free. I hope to see you there.
1: I felt how it evolved from being focused on the tech and the implementation and the specific project to become a complete all around sort of internal consultant for CS leadership. That was very gratifying for me to be that person who could sort of hold the whiteboard marker for the CS leaders and help them step away from the escalation calls and such that they were all tied up in and help them really think about their problems.
0: Welcome to the OpStars Podcast. We host authentic conversations with revenue operations professionals running the show behind the scenes, holding things together, doing whatever it takes to innovate to solve problems, build processes, and manage the data to build a modern revenue engine that powers a great buyer experience. I'm your host, Rachel McBrerdy. So well, hello, everyone. I'm Rachel McBrerdy, the Chief Customer Officer of Lean Data. Welcome to today's episode. I'm excited to be joined by Seth Wiley. Welcome, Seth.
1: Hey there, Rachel. Great to be here.
0: Seth is a director of customer success ops and the admin community at Gainsight. Gainsight's a company that offers a powerful set of solutions that enable businesses to put the customer at the center of everything they do. He's a self-proclaimed unredeemable CS geek who has a passion for creating human-first connections. Seth brings over 15 years of experience in various analyst and customer success roles and leadership positions. Prior to his current role, he was director of customer success operations at Insight Squared, where he managed various swaths of their CS team. And while he was there, Seth saw that organization grow from fewer than 10 employees to being one of the largest companies he ever worked at. This is our first episode about customer success operations, or CS ops. I like its counterparts in SOPs and MOPs. The goal is to really help those frontline employees, in this case, the customer success org, to optimize its operations. So it's an emerging function, but it might just be the hottest role right now in customer success. So in this episode, I'm gonna talk to Seth about the distinct set of capabilities and skills that are required for a CS team and how do we build really high-performing CS ops team. But before we kind of get into that, I'd love to hear a little bit about your career journey and what led you to the role at Gainsight.
1: Absolutely. And I think that ties in nicely with what you just described about CSOPS sort of burgeoning into being a new discipline because my career with respect to CSOPS very much followed that journey as well. So when I was at Insight Squared, I ended up being there for over seven years, all told, but I started in a very customer-facing role. I was the first customer-facing person they hired. And that role grew to managing everyone who faced customers with the exception of the people who managed renewals. And so that was support, it was onboarding, it was basically technical account management. And then when my boss, the VP of CS, purchased Gainsight to help make the CS team, the folks who were owning those renewals, more scalable, he tapped me to shift into the CS ops role to own that implementation. So that began as a role focused very much on one project, one set of responsibilities. And what I found over my two and a half years in that CS Ops role was I felt how it evolved from being focused on the tech and the implementation and the specific project to become a complete all-around sort of internal consultant for CS leadership. That was... Very gratifying for me to be that person who could sort of hold the whiteboard marker for the CS leaders and help them step away from the escalation calls and such that they were all tied up in, and help them really think about their problems. I wanted to take that part of my role, that twenty percent of what I was doing, and find a role where that was eighty percent of what I was doing. And Gainsight was able to create a role for me that fit that mold. I was in CS Ops at Gainsight, then I ran the CS Ops team, and now I'm in this CS Ops community role where, again, I've taken the sort of 20% of the role that I really enjoyed of bringing people together, helping them to solve problems, and found a role, um, built a role that helped me do that 80% of the time. So I'm really nurturing the CS ops community that's out there and the community of Gainsight administrators within it.
0: It's uh, it's super exciting that there is a a CS ops community bubbling up, and I think it does go to the fact that this role has really come into its own. I'm curious about what do you think, were the qualities that had your manager tap you on the shoulder to take on the role in SiteSquared? What is it about you know, how you work or the skills you had that really led you to be pulled into and or put into the position of uh, CSOps?
1: It's a great question, both because it's very relevant and because it is something that a lot of people have to do for themselves. They don't have the manager that's looking out for it. So they need themselves to notice, oh, these are things that feel like I should be an ops person, but that's hard to do. So a few things come to mind. One is comfort with technology. So we were a relatively technical uh, product. And so the work that I was doing with customers and my team was doing with customers clearly showed that I was comfortable working with various types of technology. Number two, uh, process orientation around how I worked with customers and treating the customers not just as the individuals that they needed to be treated as and understanding their relationships and their particularities of their particular case, but thinking about what are the standard ways that we should be interacting with customers? What are our best practices? That ability to, to identify the processes and the systems that should be built and that work really well is something that I think is common across all the ops disciplines. And the last thing I would point out is because I was managing a team, my manager was able to see how I worked with internal customers. So those folks who were on my team and the and the customer success manager team as well, they all needed to interact with me and my team in a way where I was describing, here's the capabilities of the product, here's the capabilities of my team, training newcomers to my team and all of the intricacies of the systems that we had built as a product and the systems that our product was connecting to. So all of those things really come together into creating the kind of person that is exactly the kind of person you want to implement some piece of sophisticated software and then grow from there.
0: If I were to summarize what you said, it's really the the people process and technology really being people-centric, knowing how to design and align the technology and capabilities to that end customer. And yeah, and then be able to put those processes together. So I think those sort of always bubble up the people process uh, tech as, as being that, those core pillars for any ops person to really be able to, you know, manage across those.
1: I think that's very astute. I think that the piece about the tech can actually be swapped out for different skill sets. Mm-hmm. So some people, the sort of people process and tools, the tool that they bring is change management. So they think about people, they think about process, but they're great for CS enablement or the tool that they bring is data analysis. So they're great for understanding how are we interacting with customers and, and the people on the team, the processes. But the skill set they're bringing to bear there is the sort of deep analysis or in terms of doing one to many customer communication, maybe the skill set they're bringing is copywriting or building sophisticated automated campaigns with, with customers. So all of these different flavors of operations can be brought to bear, and some of them are not nearly as technical as my entry into the role was.
0: Uh, makes a lot of sense and can probably have different flavors depending on the company that you work for or the business model. Which just brings me to another question that I have for you, which is, is CS Ops really just for SaaS, like software as a service companies? I know you and I both live in that world. Do you have a perspective on CS ops outside of what might be software as a service model?
1: Yeah, I think that basically any model where you want to retain your customers, where it's in your best interest to retain your customers, means that you want to not just throw people at that problem or that challenge, but also throw thoughtful systems and best practices at that challenge. The way that I often think about it is, that at least within SaaS, but potentially in other businesses as other business models as well, you are looking for retention rate, expansion rate, new logos that you're landing through uh, through advocacy. These are all things that an ops team can help ramp up the skill set and tools that are available for the customer-facing folks to use, or that that can circumvent the customer-facing folks and can go directly to customers. That, in addition to making the customer-facing folks more efficient through giving them better tools and better data and reports and so on, all of those things come together, and I have to imagine they would happen, and they'd be valuable in all kinds of different business models.
0: I agree. That was kind of a leading question, but I agree with you. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I think you, you hit on a what might be the measures of the success of an ops team. I heard, how do you improve revenue Right on that net retention and, and re- retention growth? But also, it sounds like you had some other metrics around productivity and efficiency of the team. So how do you think about the success of an ops team or measuring the success of the work that you do?
1: Absolutely. So the tactical measuring the productivity of the team is absolutely one of the pillars here. The way that we do it on our team internally is we divide our ops work into sprints. Every sprint story, you know, using the Agile Scrum methodology is assigned a certain number of points. So we can see number of points we commit to deliver, number of points that are actually delivered, and so on and so forth. So we're able to track just like simple throughput of the team, but as you're alluding to, that doesn't indicate the impact of any of that work. So for that side of the equation, we have to start with what those big dollar sign numbers are that we're trying to influence, whether it's retention, expansion, new logos through advocacy or efficiency of the team. And every business is going to have a different place that they're going to want to focus, depending on how strong the retention rate is, how strong their expansion rate is. Do you have a lot of products or very few? Depending on that, expansion might be a bigger or smaller lever for you to pull, so on and so forth. So therefore, you would sort of pick your area or areas of focus. And underneath them, you have your hypothesis for example, we could increase our retention rate if we got more process-oriented in our renewal process. That is a hypothesis that may or may not be true for many businesses, but definitely is true for some businesses. So then, okay, what are the ways that we're going to make our process more tied up with a bow? We're going to develop best practices. We're going to give checklists for the CSMs to follow. We're going to create slide deck templates, these types of things. So this takes you all the way down through a number of different strategies that are each nested within each other, but also can be measured in their own way. If you were to be developing those slide deck templates, for example, for your CSMs, then you could measure how much of those slide deck templates actually being used. Is it in all of the calls that the CSMs are having with, or sales reps are having with renewal customers, or just some of them? If it's only with some of them, then you could measure amongst customers where that deck is used versus not, are you seeing differences in retention rate? Is the deck actually working? So you, you start to see how these activities tie to these leading indicators and then ultimately the lagging outcomes of, of those dollar, figure, uh, dollar figures moving.
0: Uh, hearing you talk about leading and lagging indicators is music to my ears as a chief customer officer. I think understanding and measuring both of those is so critical and not something everybody really thinks about you know, I love that you hit on the fact that getting at those leading indicators so that you could know if what you're doing is having an impact. I think it's so super key. And the team needs to understand that too, right? Yeah. And
1: I think that one thing you're getting at there is the importance of storytelling in the realm of CS ops, because you are like, I just sort of off the cuff there told a story for if we do these things, then it will have this impact on this thing. And then that thing will have this impact on our retention rate. And that's a story that has a number of assumptions baked into it. It has an understanding of how the renewal process works that's baked into it and so on. And you in a CCO seat, sitting down with your peers at the executive level, they don't have an understanding of those assumptions. They don't have an understanding of what does a renewal conversation look like. And so I have to imagine that at that executive level, that storytelling motion of here's what we're doing and why, both to your peers and sort of upwards to your to your boss and to the board, I, I imagine that that is a that must be a substantial part of your responsibility in order to help people see your vision. Is that something that you have felt and experienced?
0: No, absolutely. I think that is spot on. And if you can get to where you you know the story that really drives your business, you you've kind of cracked the nut on the secret sauce. And to be able to share those aboard and then show that you've made a movement because you understood. Like in our case, we had a hypothesis that if our customers are better trained and really understand our product, we are gonna get a better attach. So we built certifications to make sure we have an educated customer and we're able to measure in that cohort that actually they do stay and buy more. But to be able to tell the story of how did you come up with the hypothesis, what we've built and that it's produced the results, is a very strong, strong showing. It's exactly where you wanna be as an executive and a leader, so 100%.
1: Yeah, and I often describe, this makes me think of how I often describe the CS ops sort of strategic leader type role, because what you just described is not an easy exercise, an exercise of imagining what we should be doing, is it education, is it something else, how do we measure it, how do we put it in place, so on. Having a part of your brain that you can sort of offload into your CSOps strategic leader to be that person who's the career expert you can go to, to invent what the possible solution should be, to figure out what is the best solution for us. I don't think that it's not appropriate or fair for an organization to think that the CCO is going to be a self-contained, you know, guru with a thousand ideas just hidden up their sleeve, ready to pull out the perfect ones at the right moment. You need your own infrastructure to detect what you're hearing from customers through surveys, voice of the customer, and so on, to make decisions based on that, and then to execute those projects and measure if they work well. I think that this is especially true because CS is a less mature discipline than sales or marketing that have been around for so much longer. They're just fewer books written on the topic. There are fewer methodologies. If you ask someone for a list of sales methodologies who's worked in sales for a while, they could probably list off 10. That's not so much the case in CS. So it's really helpful to have that ops team that can be that partner in inventing the methodology that's appropriate for your organization.
0: What I've also found valuable from my CS ops team is to let me know when things aren't working, to got check with the data and the facts and and make sure that they're keeping us honest. I think that's a super important role. And a lot of times you just keep going with things and don't stop doing what, what isn't working. From an ops perspective, it's helping to lean into what is and really being ruthless about saying, you know what, this is stop. we've got to just stop. This is not helping drive the business. It's not benefiting customers. But I think having that perspective is super helpful.
1: I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's spectacular that you have put that responsibility and ask on your CS ops team. It's the same as you would expect your CS managers to flag for you if there was a customer at risk. It's easy to tell the story about this segment of customers, they're super happy, and maybe they are on the whole. But you need that detection mechanism to bubble up those things that need a second look. And maybe it's not that you've done it incorrectly. It's that the circumstances have changed, or the cost benefit of continuing to invest in in improving one program has now diminished because you put some investment into it. And thanks to the shifting strategies of the business and that area of that program being more sophisticated, you're able to shift your focus to somewhere else. And I think that the most mature CS ops organizations can get to that place where they are the canary in the coal mine, both for things that are not working and for opportunities. I think that there are a lot of CS leaders who would love to have that organization underneath them who's saying, you know what, this team is just completely nailing such and such process, whether it's risk management, executive business reviews, whatever that might be. And this team over here feels like there's something that they could learn. How do we connect those dots, especially given that there's different account ratios in the different teams or there being, uh, the customers being managed in different ways, whatever, having that team and CS Ops, who's able to draw those connections and note and point out the areas for improvement, not just the things that are going wrong, is, I think, the mark of one of some of the more sophisticated CS Ops orgs that are out there.
0: Maybe we can talk a little bit about your perspective on CS Ops maturity. How do you think about or maybe advise the community or even in your experience evolving that maturity? Do you think about aligning it to the CS org's maturity? Or do you have some way in which you're like, no, first, we just need to tackle making sure that, you know, we map out all core processes and knows, know what's going on? Anyway, just curious about your perspective on evolving the maturity of the CS ops organization.
1: Yeah, I think that most CS ops teams that eventually become sophisticated start with one fire that they're fighting. And I think that that's often what would bring a RevOps team to add some sort of CS ops responsibility or headcount to their, to their ranks as well. So in my, in my case with my career, it was we need to implement this piece of software. We think it's gonna make a big difference and we need someone to take charge of that. In another situation, it might be, we just got a round of funding and we are going to triple the size of our CSM team because we're tripling teams all over the company. We need someone to handle that enablement. And at the same time, not just make sure that they're learning the things other CSMs know, but figuring out what should CSMs know? What are the best practices? What are the the processes we should put in place? And so it starts with that individual project. And I think that if you go around and read CSOPS job descriptions, you find these immediate firefighting needs mixed in with these grand goals for what the CSOPS role will eventually be, but they're tucked in there. And then Once you step into that job on your first day, you very quickly realize, oh, there's this grand goal that I'm a part of, but actually the thing I need to fix right now is that our health score isn't working or I need to build playbooks for interacting with our largest customers or whatever it might be. So that's where CSOPS functions start. They then progress into being a collection of random responsibilities because you have this one person who's focusing on this And then something else comes up where it's like, oh, we need to put attention here too. I bet that CSOPS person could work on that. And it doesn't take too long before that person's like, yes, I could kind of work on that, but now I'm doing six different things. Why don't we hire someone who's a specialist in some particular area to increase the size of the team? And then rinse and repeat on that, you end up with a few random random people mixed into into a CSOPS org. At that point, it can start to evolve into an org where this is a bit of a, maybe the biggest leap in the maturity of a CS ops team, where they see themselves serving a common mission, as opposed to individually serving the responsibilities of their role. And I think a thoughtful CS ops leader is able to do that, is able to see, this is what our CS leader, the VP of CS or whoever, or CCO, this is what they have identified with, maybe with my help, but identified as the strategy we're going to use to get better as a CS practice let us together as a CS ops team, put our heads together for how are we gonna use systems, data, enablement, one-to-many customer communications, all of those things together to serve that greater need. And that's not, I don't wanna take a purist view there. It's not like these different areas continue to have certain areas of focus, especially for run the business things like reporting, but that integrated mission as a team is necessary for you to get to the point where you are able to understand What are we helping the business with? And that's necessary to be that sort of canary in the cold mine watcher, because it's only then you understand what am I helping the business with? Therefore, what should I be looking out for in the business that the CS leader will be thrilled if I bring these insights back to them?
0: That completely resonates with me in alignment with our journey here. We did start off with we're going to put gainsight in place. So we just needed someone to come help. Yeah, let's get folks in to put the technology in place to then progressing to where we are today, which is aligning around three pillars of how do we drive adoption? What do we need to do for expansion? And how are we driving advocacy? So having the ops team helping to align on those pillars and know, how do we know how we're doing in each of those? But that did, you're right, Seth, take time. Because first, you're just trying to get the core foundation of the technology or the process. Maybe you are automating a couple of things like the one-to-many communications. But then we did get to the point where we could start to say strategically, this is how we're going to think about things from an ops team perspective. And then we're going to align and prioritize against achieving those big business goals. But that was a multi-year journey. I think we're a proof point of what you just said.
1: I'm curious. It's easy to imagine a CS ops leader who is seeing those three pillars for you and figuring out what projects should be done. And they are effectively insulating all the people beneath them who ultimately they go to and say, okay, on the system side, we're going to set up these things and so on. I'm curious if that's the model that you see and that works for you, or do you find that your CSOP's leader is able to engage all of the subject matter experts on their team that into a sort of collective imagineering of how are we going to serve adoption advocacy or expansion? Is that more of a communal effort on the team, or is that something where there's sort of a strategy level, and then after that's complete, you go to the people who execute?
0: We have found that if we don't work together with the teams, change management and moving the organization forward really doesn't necessarily even happen. We have to find these key areas of opportunity. We need to be agile, test and learn together with the team. I'll take an example in the expansion. We have like a a tiger team who's really looking at how do we go position some net new capabilities into customers that we think are going to be hugely valued to them but we don't have that motion and we don't have those materials so that team is a cross-functional team that the initiative might be sort of centered and help be managed within the ops team or they're keeping an eye on it but that we've got to build it together with the team and test and learn and see what works across you know the, the different experts that's what we recognize is working for us otherwise you're not bringing the team along in the evolution of your motions and the business. So I think it's really, as going back to what you said before, you, if you can identify some of those core leading indicators and the lagging indicators you want to measure, then you're going and working with the team to improve those. So I think you can get the structure and be thinking and organizing around that structure, but ultimately achieving the results usually takes a collaborative approach.
1: That makes a lot of sense to me. I think that one of the things that might be most challenging for someone whose expertise is on the sales ops or marketing ops side is that the, those leading indicators are different and pre-known on the marketing and sales sides. You know that you're looking at funnel conversion rates. You're looking, you know, you're looking at time to close, ACV, those things, those sorts of things. You're looking at SQL conversion rates and so on. Those metrics, those leading indicators still you're being you're inventing them on the fly on the CS side because it depends on what project you're focusing on. And I think that 10 years from now we'll get to a place where there's a better understanding of what are the kinds of motions you put in place, what are the typical ways that you would execute a process that improves such and such a metric, and there'd be a list of those common metrics and those the processes that the, the programs that would influence them, but we're not there yet. And so if you're in a place where that where you are tr- doing so much invention of what are the metrics that we're trying to implement or trying to affect and what are the programs that would do that, that it makes a lot of sense to have a tight-knit relationship with the people who are executing on the team because they're not just executing systems administration or data analysis or something. They're also being asked to bring their expertise for what should be set up in a system what kind of analyses are typically most effective? What does change management look like when it's done well? And if they're able to not just execute, but also bring their expertise and suggestions, that is a definition of a group that is able to tackle so many unknowns at once in a way that is not so overwhelming because everyone, everyone has their, their piece and they are comfortable in their expertise in that piece.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. We are still building this whole competency. Okay, let's talk then about this notion of revenue operations, which is bringing together into one central organization sales marketing and customer success operations. And some are saying that in a, in a couple of years from now, we may see a C-suite role, which is your chief revenue operations officer. What's your perspective though? Do you think that CS ops really can be that third pillar right now? Or do you do you think it makes sense to maybe still keep it as part of the CS org, given its immaturity? Do you have a perspective? Um, I know it's probably not one size fits all for every company, but I don't know if you've thought about that, the sort of the RevOps vision of one centralized org.
1: Mm -hmm. The way that I think about this is, as you said, not one single answer, but there is a list of things to consider. So firstly, I would consider that if you put CS ops in a RevOps team, then the CS leader loses a bit of hands-on control over what the priorities are. There are ways to mitigate that. Maybe they have a wonderful relationship with the RevOps leader, and so it's very collaborative. Or maybe it's the opposite, and then there's you know you, you make the opposite call. But if the CS leader is starting a CS Ops team because there are problems that need to be fixed on the CS team, then it makes a lot of sense for them to be very to have a, a great deal of control over exactly what the prioritization is and to feel that they really know what that is. So that's, that's one consideration. Another consideration that I can't take credit for, I heard it on a podcast where the head of CS ops at GitLab was being interviewed, where if the CS ops people don't have much experience in CS, the quintessential example would be, uh, of someone who would be, where this is not a concern, is if they were previously a CSM. They have like a real empathetic understanding for what is the life of a CSM like? What makes it hard? What would it look like for it to be easier? What kind of conversations do you have in a one-on-one with your manager? All that kind of stuff. If you have someone with that level of understanding and empathy, you are much safer putting that role in the RevOps team. Whereas if you if you have people with ops experience, then you're probably going to want that person sitting as close as possible virtually these days with the CS team to really steep in what are the things that are most important? What are the strategy changes that are going to be most impactful? And that's the kind of thing that you pick up, not because you have your quarterly cadence call about priorities, but because, because you're sitting on the CS team, you're invited to the CS all hands. Because you're sitting on the CS team, you see the emails that go around that like, hey, we're doing a spiff this quarter for such and such. You just get these little exposures to the life of a CSM that make a big difference. A third consideration is the systems that they would be using. So if you're going to be, or systems and data, I should say. So if you as a CS ops team are going to be heavily relying on Salesforce and maybe Marketo to do one to many thing with one to many things with customers and so on then there's a much more of a case we made that you should be sitting with people who are experts in those tools and that data whereas if you are basically building your own data infrastructure from the ground up and implementing your own customer success system then there then you don't get that benefit from being on the RevOps team so it's much less skin off your back to be sitting with the CS team and you get to reap the benefits of the of the CS team. So all of that really boils down to my general approach of, again, major generalization, but I think it makes sense for the first few headcount of CS ops to sit in the CS team. And then it's time to take stock of, would this team do better sitting with the, the RevOps team? Do they get more out of that? And here at Gainsight, we sort of took one step in that direction by taking our analyst from the CS team, putting him with the other analysts for the whole marketing and sales funnel, but continuing to have him be the right-hand person for our CCO and expert in CS.
0: Yeah. So I think like we like to say in the world of customer success, it depends. It depends on your maturity. It depends on your organization. But I really like that approach of you got to evaluate, is it really ready to move into a you know, a centralized org? Do you have the maturity? How do you keep that connection? I think the same, same thing you're talking about in terms of connection of CS ops into the CS org, CMOs will say they feel the same thing if they lose their marketing ops. They feel like that's what the words, right? I mean, that's telling in himself, lose the team. I think we have to find a way to successfully keep that connection even if organizationally they're in a central org. So I think that's a really good call out for anybody in any ops role. Like you need to stay connected with those end users you're serving.
1: I think that's very astute. And particularly because I think that having a strong governance process is a fancy word for basically having a cadence where you're keeping in touch with your stakeholders. And that can be really hard to skip when you are the single headcount. And if you were you know, relatively junior in your career, that that's something that is that sort of evolves when you're in a more sophisticated organization, but regardless of where you're sitting, it, it is beneficial to invest some mental bandwidth in what are the times that I'm going to sit down with my stakeholders, who are my stakeholders, and what are we going to talk about so that they feel plugged into what's going on? I feel like I understand what I should be working on and that we're, we're all cool with this situation. I think that that becomes super important if CS Ops has sprung up as part of a RevOps team that already existed. But uh, And then you get a little bit more for free if it happens within the CS team. But regardless of where that sits, it's a set of responsibility that's worth nurturing.
0: My CS ops leader is constantly asking the question, what is the problem we're really trying to solve here, which always grounds all of us. Coming to each stakeholder, what is the problem we're trying to solve? How do we frame it? to your point, it's very helpful to be connecting in that way and having that level of conversation and ensuring there's understanding of you know, what is it we're really trying to drive with those key stakeholders on a regular basis and gut checking it because change is definitely a constant these days. So helpful to build in those those stakeholder meetings. So I'm kind of curious about the technology that a CS Ops team oversees or even needs for itself. And do you use Gainsight as part of your role in CS Ops at Gainsight? So
1: Gainsight... For us at Gainsight is for the CS ops team, mostly a system that we're managing for our CS team. So we are truly just playing the, the standard role of a, of a CS ops team to configure the software well, answer questions, develop new processes in the tool. The additional tools that we bring to bear are we use Monday.com for our project management, the, the sprint tracking that I described. We started in Trello, which I think was the right play but Monday allows us to get more sophisticated with exactly what we're tracking. And we needed to be ready for that additional sophistication. We d- it would have been different if we had jumped directly to it, or at least it would have l- looked different. I'm sure that Monday can be used in a more standard way. But anyways, that, that is a major cornerstone of our CS ops practice. The other thing I would say about our CS ops team is that there are, uh, and, and how we use Gainsight, as a CS ops team, there's so many times that you are saying, what's the deal with this customer? why did they get an on, why is their onboarding showing up as being taking, you know, one week instead of the usual x number of months or something. So one other way that I would say that we use Gainsight is being that central repository of information, especially because I'm in the, so for me personally I'm in this role where I'm nurturing a community of people that includes our customers, so to, to be able to look up What are our most recent conversations with customer X? Who is the right person for me to reach out to? What is their health score? All those kinds of things are critical to me when I'm trying to nurture this community of of customers, but would be equivalently important to someone who's managing an email campaign that's going to customers or is trying to validate that their new system configuration is working correctly. It's one thing to be able to see like, okay, this list of customers was correctly stamped from this object and its other object. It's another thing to say, like, why weren't these two customers stamped? What's going on there? And that digging in and troubleshooting is so much more so much more effective. When you have that central source of information, you understand how that information is being captured. The last thing I would say is, again, sort of you could consider it part of our one-to-many motion with our customers is our community in general, both the CS ops and admin community that I focus on and our customer community more broadly. The um, tool we use for that is Insided, which is you know, extra plugs since we just acquired them as a company. But uh, also, you know, our customer admins started up their own Slack channel. So Slack is an integral part of how we interact with our customers. And of course, uh, Zoom for roundtables and things. We use Workato to help shove data around to systems that where building a manual API integration would be, you know, just not worth the bang for buck that you can get from using something like Workato or Zapier. So those are some of the nest of tools that we use.
0: Excellent, well, one thing that's come through this entire interview for for me, Seth, about you is in almost every answer you keep coming back to seeking to understand the customer, either the clients or your internal customers, and even as you talked about how you use the tools and what you look for, it's to seek to understand their needs, their problems, who they are, what's going on, and I think that is really something that probably is what's made you who you are today and why you've risen in this, this role.
1: Thank you so much for, for saying that, that's, that's very touching. I think that a huge part of working in CS ops and working in ops in general is caring about your customer. In a lot of cases, that customer is internal, but in the CS ops case, it's also you know, your, in this case, your customer's customer, who is you know, the CSM is working with their customer. And I think it, you know, in the sales ops space, it's caring about the prospect. What is the prospect gonna need? Where's their brain at in, this, in the selling cycle? So on and so forth. So very touching that, that you notice that coming through.
0: I have a couple of questions in closing that I ask everybody. Advice to someone who is just about to start in their first CS ops role.
1: Yeah, the first thing I would say is it is absolutely a younger field than sales ops and marketing ops, but there's still a substantial amount of knowledge out there. And the people who work in this space are on average, very enthusiastic about it. So the first thing I would say is that lots of people are absolutely happy to talk to you about their personal experience and about what they know about the space in general. A great way to find those folks is through the CSOPS mentor program that Gainsight stood up. So if you go to the Gainsight website, in the site navigation, you'll find a link to a basically a microsite about CSOPS. And on that page um, or set of pages, small set of pages, you'll find a link to the CS House mentor program. So that's a place you can go and over a hundred people have raised their hands to say, I would be happy to have someone speak with me. And just to be clear, a mentor conversation can be a one-off conversation about a specific topic. This doesn't need to be, I wanna develop a relationship with this person who's gonna come to my wedding and know my kids' names. So that's a different type of mentor program. In any case, that's one thing. Talk to people there. Talk to people in the Slack spaces for CS Ops. Again, you can find those listed on the um, on that microsite page.
0: Great. I will put that in the show notes so folks can find it.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. Another thing I would call out, and you can get to this get to this through the microsite as well, is we held an event, a one day event called CS Ops Unplugged, that was targeted at existing CS Ops people, but also was absolutely designed to be accessible and useful for people who were curious about the CSOp space and what that career should look like. So the recordings of all those sessions are available at unplugged.gainsight.com and again through the microsite. And then the last thing I would say as pieces of advice to offer is to understand where your focus can be most impactful in the world of CSOps. I've been quickly listing off before the types of CSOps ops work that exist, you know, systems, data, one to many customer communications, strategic consulting for the CS leader, and uh, CSM enablement, those are, as I see it, the major pillars. If you come into this saying, I'm going to be a CSOps ops generalist, maybe that works for you given your experience. But especially if you're originating a CS ops organization, it's important to know which level you're going to fall back on the most, where's the greatest level of comfort for you and greatest skill you are you are bringing to bear. And I said that was the last one, but I'm gonna add one more, which is to the point you made earlier, Rachel, about what is the problem we're trying to solve here? Don't go through that part of the process and CS ops too quickly. Spend time understanding what is it that we're trying to do? What is the need here? What does success look like? And pulling your CCO away from solutioning and into describing the problem, making sure that to dwell there, allows you to thoroughly understand that need. Because the rest of your responsibilities are turning that need into solution and then measuring it. That's where your skill set lies, and then being able to facilitate that conversation around understanding the need. And so everything that you are doing rests on that as a foundation.
0: Great advice. And I will reiterate to everyone that there's a lot of resources out there that you're putting in place, and encur- I encourage them to go find it and engage with the community if they really want to get into this field. And thank you again. And thank you to Gainsight for investing in this. I appreciate so much what you do as a brand. It's great that we can partner with our OpStars program, really help our audience, our our collective audiences to grow in their careers. So thank you again for doing that.
1: I'm just thrilled to be able to be in a job where I can help people make progress in their careers. What a wonderful position to be in. And I think that there's so much to be learned between the various ops disciplines. I have to imagine there's so many things about how to be consultative for your leader, how to measure success, how to tell a story about how you're improving the business. So many of these things I have to imagine operate the same across the, across sales ops and marketing ops. And if we can find a way to share some of that knowledge and understand those things that make us different, but collaborate on those things that are shared areas of expertise and challenge, then that's got to be a a situation of, you know, rising tide lifts all ships.
0: I love that perspective. hundred percent. Final question. Who in the world of operations would you most like to take to lunch?
1: So I've been reading this book recently, The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. And I quickly alluded just a moment ago to how a big part of CS Ops is pulling together people to have an important conversation. And the art of gathering is like, it basically starts with, if you're getting people together, whether it's casually or for work or whatever, start with the why, why you're getting them together and then use that to construct what the event looks like. I tried to do this for constructing my 40th birthday party. And then I got real deep and it started to look like a workshop. So I just handed the responsibility to my husband and he was like, I got this, don't worry about it. (laughs) Which is maybe a classic problem for someone who's process-oriented like me. But for elegantly creating a place where people can collaborate in a way where they can feel experimental, I think that anyone who works in ops, if you can do that, how incredible for people who are able to join that conversation and where ops can be a a driver of invention, not a driver of making the wheels of the business turn. And so- all of that goes to say, I would love to have lunch with Priya Parker and, and understand what does it look like when you are trying to do this a little, like elegantly, not too, not, so not too overwrought, and you're trying to do it on the fly, and you're trying to teach people to do it with their customers as well or their prospects. There's, it just feels like there's a lot to untangle there to do this in a way that can be really done off the cuff and be, can be part of more how we all live on a day-to-day basis as opposed to a special event.
0: So then you will have the most amazing meetings and gatherings and also hopefully the most amazing social events at home too. Well, thank you so much, Seth. I appreciate your time today. This has been fantastic. And I will input links to find the community to encourage the the CS Ops folks to to join.
1: So appreciate it, Rachel. And I appreciate all you're doing to help all the different branches of RevOps understand each other. Thanks for having me on the podcast.
0: Thank you. Have a great day. You too. The Opstars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com. And then make sure to search for Opstars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Opstars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.